So, good morning. I'm, I'm very happy to welcome Richard Wright um, to 15 Minutes with 15 West. Richard is um, CEO of an amazing business that we work with called Acre, and um, he's here today to tell us a little bit about what makes Acre unique, um, a little bit about his background, and um, give you a bit of an overview of the business and a bit of insights into uh, what they're up to and the area that they recruit in. So, good morning, Richard. Good morning, Lisa. Thank you for having me. No problem. Do you want to tell the uh, listeners a little bit about yourself um, and um, sort of how you got to where you are today? We've only got 15 minutes, right? <laughs> Fair enough. Make it quick. And, uh, and, uh, I say that because I, I started uh, adding recruitment in my early 20s. Very early on, post-polytechnic, I went to, um, to into an accountancy training contract but quickly realised that wasn't for me. And the guys at Michael Page persuaded me that recruitment was a much better career prospect. So I, uh, I then enjoyed my 20s uh, helping that business grow to what it's become today. Then I left uh, and did the entrepreneurial thing and built in my 30s uh, with partners a business called MWA, which is another financial recruitment business, which is the discipline I've been recruiting into within Michael Page. And we were very fortunate to build that business up into a nationwide organization, which we then sold in 2005 to Randstad, uh, the Dutch multinational. That was a fantastic day for lots of people. I stayed, I was running the business and I stayed with them for three years until 2009, in fact. Um, and, then, and then I kind of wondered what I was gonna do next with my recruitment life. Um, I didn't wanna go back into the professions that I've dealt with before, I wanted to do something different and I had the fortune to meet a guy called Andy Cartland who had created a business called Acre um, and Acre was totally focused on sustainability so I did my homework I wasn't an environmentalist I'm still not an environmentalist um, but we recognized that we had a phenomenal opportunity so Andy asked me to to invest alongside him um, and that kicked off actually in 2011. Mm -hmm. um, I've spent some time in private equity in the meantime with the recruitment business uh, and Lisa the rest is history really we, we've got on to grow a, a, a fantastic organization and I might say this at the end again but just to kick off the interview I've never been more invigorated uh, with my recruitment life than I am right now. Great that's amazing so why is that? Richard, what makes what makes your job so unique and interesting and, and Acre, you know, the business it is today? We, we're lucky, okay, because we, we found ourselves sitting at the centre from a recruitment perspective um, of the sustainability debate. And so when you, I want to talk a lot about purpose today, and when you find yourself um, filling jobs that are making an impact upon people's lives or the environment, not only is that satisfying from a company perspective, but you see individuals that you have working for you as recruitment consultants really getting a significant buzz out of doing that in a way that I hadn't seen before. And, and we need to, to really capitalise upon that. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the things, you know, I genuinely believe Acre is a unique business that we work with. We haven't come across any other, you know, in eight years of, of being in recruitment, I haven't come across any other business that sort of marries um, sort of a sense of purpose with that commerciality and, and that sales and recruitment sort of um, vibe but you guys just do it really really well and yeah, how, how what do you think makes you, makes the business you know able to do that? 
but every consultant is dealing with clients, whether they be in mainstream sustainability, in banking and finance, in energy management, uh, or in environment, health and safety, with roles that make a huge amount of difference to people's lives and to those companies. And, and I think we'll talk about this later on as well. That's never been more emphasised than, the, than the, the time that we're going through right now, which we can talk about later. So when you have people that are driven, yes, financially, although that's not their key motivator, but they have, they have the ability to work with purpose, the combination of purpose and financial reward is extremely powerful. And so we've built our culture around that. A lot of the aspects of sustainability make that a little bit easier for us, if I could be honest about that. Um, but that's that's where the business is going and that's what I find invigorating. It also gives us, not, not just the market, but through my experience and through Andy's experience, we have the confidence to innovate around that as well. So whether we're innovating with our clients, we put out an awful lot of um, thought leadership content. Now, lots of businesses do that kind of thing. I get that, but some of the stuff that we do is, is pretty cutting edge. And so we're seen within sustainability itself as a kind of center of knowledge, which is fantastic. And then we innovate with our staff as well. We have a program called the Alliance Program, which kind of throws out the window the whole concept of appraisals. How many times have I been in an appraisal meeting over the last 25 years where I'm probably stressed, the person on the other side is probably just going through the motions and we don't really achieve very much. We've thrown that out the window and now we have a much more interesting conversation with people about their journey and where how Acre fits into their journey. We're kind of almost talking to them sometimes about what's going to happen when you leave. I know, yes. Yeah. Having that transparency in the, in the meantime so that you're not caught out when they say, oh, I've decided to go in-house or something. You're kind of like, yeah, I knew that because I've helped you achieve that goal. I'd much rather give them skills that help them work beyond Acre than just just think they're going to be Acre for life. Now, people, some people think that's crazy because why would you possibly consider someone's career after Acre whilst they're at Acre? But I can tell you that the... The productivity that we then get and the retention that we then get is higher. Yeah. Um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a very uh, well-used word which actually plays a massive, massive part in all of this, which is that we're just taking trust onto another level by, by opening up that conversation. Yeah, no, it's brilliant. And uh, yeah, something that we've adopted, you know, having met you guys and heard of how successful it's been in, in our own business. So I think it's a great great innovation and something that you know not many of our clients sort of do I think you know um, I think the other the other sort of piece of innovation that we've been really impressed by is you know your frameworks as well yeah. which I don't know if you can talk about that as a sort of business development tool but obviously adding value to the client how, how does that all work so a lot of my ethos in thinking about how we grow a business very very easily married up with the way that Andy Cartman thinks as well. So we, we didn't know each other before we became partners. Uh, we're both very fortunate. I think that that relationship has worked extremely well. Um, we both have very similar views around marketing and, and putting a brand out there as a, as a key aspect of growing a recruitment business. But we also had uh, a desire to just innovate as much as possible. Now we've talked about the Alliance and we were inspired by the Alliance, by the way, by some work that the guys who created LinkedIn um, have, have published. But we wanted inevitably to use some technology to make its play within it within our business. So we had a profession, which is the environment, health and safety profession, which also needed to be changed. Um, a lot of us have got some quite uh, old fashioned views as to what environment, health and safety 
is all about. And if you'd have told me that I was going to become excited about recruiting that profession five years ago, I would have been surprised. But I am genuinely excited about where that profession is going. So what we decided to do using um, a psychometric test at its core is develop a technology dashboard which focuses on key leadership competencies that make what we call a kind of a leader in health and safety 2.0. So we took, my colleague Anna Keane took what we consider to be the top 50 health and safety leaders in the UK. These are people that are driving projects like Crossrail, for example. As the health and safety director responsible for Crossrail, you are probably second only to the chief exec in terms of importance within that business, keeping it on track and obviously preventing injury. We took 50 people like them and there was quite a, a bias towards construction. And we basically built a, a framework within a technology dashboard that defined what good look like, uh, what good looks like. And then we've put people through a recruitment process that have been married up against that. And we've also assessed teams. And we've now, having done that to really good effect, we've now moved on from it just being um, an EHS tool and now it's going across sustainability as a leadership tool. It's, it's fantastic. It clearly, clearly differentiates us. And when we pitch for work, we include that as a, as a matter of course. And I think it wins for us time and time again. Yeah, it's amazing. And you've also incorporated it into your own internal recruitment process yeah. as well. We have. So obviously lots of recruitment companies, I'm sure lots of people who will be hearing this use psychometric tests and, and if they don't, they probably should do. So, yeah. so <laughs> yeah, not many of my clients do. So we then show our incoming candidates, uh, consultants, how that works for them on this dashboard. And obviously they learn a lot about themselves through that process, but they see the tech in action as well, which is which is pretty cool. Yeah, that's a really it's a great sort of part of the process that, you know, candidates actually really enjoy and really enjoy getting the feedback and, and then you obviously can use that once you once you hire them as a tool to say, Okay, this is how we're gonna manage you when you join our business because I know that you're this type of person and yeah, it's 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 brilliant. It's really, really really um, innovative. And we had a we had a further brainstorm last week about how it can just develop and you know, there are some themes that are going on in the world right now which need addressing. Um, a key one being unconscious bias and our framework, our dashboard eliminates unconscious bias. So once you start to be able to get your clients and candidates to understand how that's working because the technology is not creating any bias in itself, mm -hmm. then it becomes even more powerful. Yeah. And what, what are you sort of doing around that? I'm sorry. Yeah, just to touch on DNI. Yeah, it's it. We once again a lot of what you're talking about today leads to in terms of purpose and so on and so forth. We are helped out by the clients and the jobs that we're filling. I don't want to uh, make it out that we've created all of this culture from scratch. We want to reflect, live and breathe the culture and the values of the clients that we're recruiting for, and that's what the consultants really enjoy and get motivated by. And DNI is very much a subject that sits within sustainability and the way that human rights works, for example. So we've we've taken a pretty deep dive on this, but we're only at the early stages of what will unfold. We're looking at how, first of all, we need to uh, act uh, as an employer uh, when it comes to all aspects of diversity and inclusion. Um, secondly, we need to look at how we deliver our service. We were a recruitment company, right? So how does that actually manifest itself in the service that we provide? And there are some things that are going on, in my view, which are 
kind of a little bit scathing on the surface, like when people say we should take names off CVs or have particular structures of shortlists. We don't necessarily subscribe to that, but, but we do have to work very hard on how we demonstrate to our clients that our source is very diverse. We then, and kind of allied to that, um, want to work out how we can help the professions that we serve. So not necessarily in a recruitment way, not only our own people, but you know, how do we help our professions? For example, in sustainability, uh, it's a very white middle class group of people. In health and safety, it's a very male gender orientated profession. So those are two historic aspects that we need to work on in order to overcome. Mm. Already we've got things going on. We have within environment, health and safety, we have a thing called Inspire, which is about getting new people in to that profession. You know, when I went to college and polytechnic, I didn't think that I was going to, I didn't, I, I wasn't alongside people who thought of health and safety as a profession that they would enter. But actually that is happening uh, now. Um, by the same token, how can we get more people um, of all backgrounds engaged in sustainability? And I was talking to, uh, we have a strong relationship with our partner, an environmental partner called Plastic Oceans, who, and obviously that their mission is to reduce plastic. They are concerned about youth engagement with plastic, and so they are talking to a pretty diverse group as well. So I see a, an interesting marriage actually between us, them, and a population that they can bring together where we're just talking about the opportunities that everybody should have within sustainability. Yeah. Amazing. That's very cool. Thank you. And um, moving on, just obviously I'm conscious of time, but we could talk for hours on, on all of that. Um, in terms of your international expansion, that's been something you particularly, I know you've been sort of driving for the last couple of years. Um, so why, you obviously opened New York um, as your first international office. Why did you choose New York for, for that? Well, first of all, we had to work hard in London to get the business to a stage where the critical mass and the numbers supported international growth. Uh, Acre is entirely privately owned with no external investments. So we wanted to make sure that we could afford this and we would invest sensibly to make international growth happen because we have that opportunity. We're the market leader, so we need to do that. Why the US first? Um, I think the easy answer there, Lisa, is probably because we thought it was the hardest. Mm. Um, it's furthest away from what from things that we might have done in Europe and we weren't considering Asia. Um, and the markets are hard to work out. So we figured that if we did the hardest thing first, then we could follow with things that were less hard. If we did, for example, Benelux or Amsterdam first, then that could be all consuming. It's likely to grow very quickly. And if that was the case, then we might actually just, the US might just get lost, left mm -hmm. behind. Does that make sense? Is it at all client-led? You know, I know you've worked with the likes of Nike and, you know, some big we, brands. Well, the, the, the kind of geographic expansion per se has been client-led because we've been filling jobs in the US for as long as I've been involved with Acre. So, yeah, we could see the demand for our services and we could see uh, the competition wasn't really there. Sometimes we compete with uh, the kind of big international mm -hmm. firms, the Corn Ferries, the Hydrix and so on and so forth. But there, there wasn't anybody else that was providing that very specialist sustainability offering. And so we were being pulled into the US, as indeed we've been pulled into Benelux and mainland Europe for a long time as well, which is why we wanted to establish those two footprints. Amazing. And I suppose with Trump pulling out of the uh, US climate, uh, the Paris climate change agreement, is that is that something that, you know, are people talking about it more in, in the US? Is it, do you think it, that's a sort of opportunity for you to sort of challenge? I think, uh, I think I was a little bit confused when that happened, but actually what I now see is this act of defiance on the part of 
individuals and corporates that that they just that's just him saying uh, no forces other people to say yes if that makes sense. So I, I see no negativity around that whatsoever. In fact, quite the opposite. So we're we're seeing what you know, the U.S. is interestingly maybe this is part of this process. The U.S. is significantly behind Europe when it comes to sustainability. Corporates have been good citizens for a while, but they've been deploying things like philanthropy to help good causes. That hasn't necessarily attacked uh, resources that are being wasted or human rights that need to be protected. So that's where they're now getting to because they can see the, the, the positive impact that, that their sister companies or other corporates have had in Europe. I think it's a huge opportunity and obviously as you say you're pretty unique in the market there's not very many businesses in the US that focus on what you do. Great no, yeah. and so we need to make sure we stay ahead. Yeah. Amazing great and I suppose um, just sort of jumping back to um, Covid obviously you launched an office in, in Benelux at the you know, beginning of this year um, uh, as um, you know sort of quite challenging times but I kind of you know talking to yourself and, and people in your business you know I feel like your what you're recruiting kind of transcends you know COVID you know the, the climate change issue is always going to be here so actually you know have you what's been the effect I guess on your business um, you know from the, the pandemic in terms of um, yeah I'm not really articulating this very well um, yeah, yeah, just in, ter in terms of um, yeah, the kind of deal flow and, you know, have, have people put more emphasis on, on you know, issues like this during the during COVID or, or you know, what's been the sort of feedback? It's, it's it obviously initially was quite scary because last year was a, a year of building a small team in the US and right now we should have our foot on the gas in terms of hiring people and that's where Lisa 15 West come in. Um, and we were doing that and then the pandemic comes along and not and because of the confidence of the growth that we'd had in the US we pressed the button on Benelux as of January the 1st and obviously then we should be pressing the button on, on hiring as well um, and so we had to slow things down and we had to look really hard at how our finances were going to work through this process because we wanted to continue this level of investment but what we saw what I can tell you now is that COVID, COVID caused an immediate drop in our revenues of 25%, almost, well, literally overnight, March into April. And that level of uh, performance or de decrease stayed with us through April, May, and June. And then in July, we start started to see an increase again, and so on. And I plotted now small increases through to the end of the calendar year, but my, my Q1, calendar Q1 next year, um, will actually reflect Q1 this year. So, so we, we expect this thing to have interrupted us by 12 months and for there to have been a trough. But our trough was only 25% below where we had been. You know, I'm involved with a, a number of other recruitment companies and my chairman is as well. And we can see some quite different results out there. And, and that demonstrates for you how resilient um, the sustainability marketplaces are. Right. Good. Well, um, that's amazing. And um, what's next for Acre then? Looking forward. Well, we all hope that we can kind of turn the page. I'm, I'm not quite sure how quickly that's going to happen um, with the pandemic, but my desire would be to just further consolidate our position in the UK to really position ourselves as the absolute number one recruiter in all of our marketplaces. I'm not planning on any new marketplaces. Equally, I want to keep the position that we have as the 
kind of centre of thought leadership and, and bringing people together, but to significantly grow uh, in terms of headcount, our presence in the US and Benelux. And that's absolutely our priority right now. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for your insights into the business, your honesty and um, an overview of everything. It's been amazing talking to you and um, yeah, wish you well for the rest of the year.